Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a Riordan verse read-along podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we do something a little bit different. Now while I usually discuss our Lord and Saviour Uncle Rick's work, this time I'll be talking about another mythology-based tale. A bonus story, if you will. So, for today's bonus episode, I shall be discussing the first book of the Goddess Test series by Amy Carter. And that's Amy as in A-I-M-E-E. Now, this is a teen-slashing adult romance story, so it's probably not for everyone. But I am a sucker for this kind of stuff, and I don't know how to act my age. But who cares, because reading is for any age that you want. Unless it's the Biff and Chip series, then it's kind of weird if me, a 24-year-old, was still reading Biff and Chip. That went really off topic, so (laughs) let's carry on. Now, of course, just like with our regularly scheduled programme, this episode will contain spoilers for the first book in that series, The Goddess Test. Now today I'll mainly be doing a review of the book itself, but also focusing on writing style, character, plot structure, and just generally what I thought of the book. Before I begin, however, here's our synopsis. Kate Winters is a not-so-average, and I'm shocked really, teenager, and when tall, dark and handsome Henry takes her in as a modern-day Persephone figure, things just get weirder. Now Kate must avoid being murdered, deal with the impending death of her clearly not a goddess mother, and fall incredibly fast in love with the brooding Henry. And that's just the first ten chapters, folks. Yeah. Now if you can't tell by that synopsis, this is very much a further of an emphasis on the romance side of this romantic fantasy. Um, And, you know, I am not averse to, you know, the romance. I may be single. Oh, that kind of got sad talking. Yeah, I hate being single. But let's let's not focus on that. While (laughs) I may be single, I still enjoy romance. Romance is a big thing for me. I love romantic stories. The fan fiction I read, always heavy in the romance. Can't be doing with angst because I cry like nobody's business. Um, <laughs> um, but romance is always good. Just the unfortunate thing is the fantasy side was kind of forgotten about in, in the case of this story, especially considering it's meant to be about Greek gods in, in, in the modern day world. But anyway, other than that synopsis and just clearly what you can already tell is my, my beginning opinion of this book, 
let's get into my very, very thorough overview of the whole book itself. Kate Winters comes to Eden. Her mum's dying and Kate's in denial. People are very intense, but she makes friends with Ava and James. Ava tricked her and nearly died. Well, she dies. But strange man Henry saves her, but makes Kate make a Persephone deal. She refuses and Ava dies. So she goes to live with him as he promises to offer something for her mother in terms of sustaining her life in some form so she has the time to say goodbye to her. She lives at his manor but has literally no freedom other than in her dreams where she spends time consciously consciously with her mum. Henry is Hades. Big shock, I know. And Kate is here to pass a test to become his new Persephone. But oh no, lots of girls have been doing this for a long period of time and have all been murdered. That was my alarm. Please ignore that. (laughs) Drama ensues with attempted murder, a few tests, Ava's return, the house being for the dead slash ghosts, and James being a god wanting to dethrone Henry. Kate and Henry fall in love. Kinda. Big oop. They have sex, which is a big ass no-no. Calliope, her handmaiden, big surprise, loves Henry, so murders Kate. But wait! Kate's mum sacrifices herself for Kate's life. The results are in. And what? Everyone Kate knows is a god? Including Kate's mum? <laughs> I am unsurprised on most cases. That laugh really actually knocked the breath out of me. Oh my gosh. Oh, and Kate passes her test. But Summer is here, so she's free for her own life now. But she's still mortal. So I'm confused. Oh, but there's a sequel. Okay. And that's basically the book. Uh, Obviously, not covering everything. It's the brief overview of the things that I can remember predominantly from from this this story. Um, I do admit it is an interesting take on a sort of modern Greek mythology book. Uh, I am gonna just because I'm that person. I'm gonna make fun of a few things just because I can. but it is, I will, I do concede that it is an interesting take on the story. That the gods have continued to live on. Uh, they take sort of a mortal's body, but the immortal side of them is in that body. Which leads to it being able to be sustained over a long period of time. Um, they can choose to fade or even to become mortal, in fact, as well. Which um, is kind of the catalyst for the story. So... Hades and Persephone uh, entered into a marriage which was kind of set up by Demeter and Zeus. Um, and eventually Persephone kind of resents Hades for it and then falls in love with a mortal. So asks if she can leave their marriage so she become mortal and live her life with this mortal. Um, of course she's dead at this point now because she's immortal so only lived a mortal life. Um, and since then because running the underworld can't be done by one person apparently uh henry slash hades needs to find a a new wife um a new persephone to help 
with the burden of ruling the underworld. Um, he's continued to try and get these girls to uh, pass these tests and prove that they are the right Persephone, but every single one of them has been murdered. Um, and you know, it, it's just really interesting, this idea of having tests to prove that you are worthy of being a god. And um, if you pass them, you you basically take on the role of Persephone. So you, you live those six months at Henry's side, and then the other... Is it six months? Yeah, no, because it's 12 months in a year. Six months with Henry, six months living her own life in a way. So yeah, no, I like it. I like the, the premise is really interesting. I just don't think the execution was that great. But just to kind of move on from that. So just kind of in the plot journey, I know I gave like an overview, but I kind of do want to talk a bit about the plot because it ties in with the, the writing structure element that I want to kind of talk about a little bit. So what is kind of interesting is that it, it starts mysteriously, but the only issue is that the way it starts gives away like two things straight away. Firstly, that Henry is Hades. Secondly, the woman who is named, I think it's Diana or something. Um, I can't remember her name. Hold on. Yeah, Diana um, is Kate's mum in the next chapter. It's like, it's so painfully obvious and it's really frustrating because that would have been such a good twist if I hadn't talked about how she was going to give birth to a new child to kind of to help Henry. And then the next chapter, we've got Kate with her mum being taken to this, her, her mother's hometown. And it just, ugh, yeah, it's just really frustrating. Like, make it less obvious. Like, you're basically telling me straight away. You aren't showing me. You aren't giving subtlety to it. To it. You're basically telling me, yes, this woman's going to go off and have a baby so she can help Henry. Which also, by the way, is really kind of messed up. Like, she's giving birth to Katie to raise her up to be Henry's wife. Like, what the hell? That's so weird. And just, in general, in terms of the writing style, and just just generally, so I mentioned this in a podcast episode ages ago, talking about a book I was reading that was just too fast-paced. This was that book. Um, the story just generally takes off incredibly quickly for me it's just too fast like so much happens within like the first eight to ten chapters like we have that that sort of prequel prologue thing of henry and kate's mum talking about a girl that's just been murdered him wanting to give up and her saying no i'll raise a child and she'll be the one she'll be the one who helps creepy but whatever and then we go on to kate driving to this new old town that her mum used to live in because her mum's dying of cancer. Then we meet Ava and James. Ava is clearly like a bit possessive but then becomes friends with her. Turns out it's a fake friendship because she's gone to abandon Kate somewhere on a premises then dies because she hits her head on a rock in the water. Then Henry turns up and brings her back to life but makes Kate promise to to read the book of Persephone and she'll understand what he wants. Greek mythology discussion happens um, and they jump straight to, yeah, he must be a real Hades because he wants you to be his Persephone. And it's like, what? How have you jumped to real life gods in like 
zero you've gone zero to a hundred there guys oh and straight away james i could tell was a god because it's just too obvious the way he talks about greek mythology the way he knows too much about it how invested he suddenly is um then henry turns up um on i think it's the winter solstice or autumn equinox i think it's the equinox possibly um and kate refuses then ava dies and then kate then goes to the house like no bring her back i'm sorry i take you back i didn't know the consequences um and then she joins the house and other weird stuff happens uh they go straight to the goddess test um and then ava is like alive but in like ghost dead form on this manor lots of other people are there that kate knew and just all of that that i've just described is in those first eight to ten chapters it's just consider so this book is like just under three well about 300 pages really it could have been it just ah, oh, it's just really frustrating that just so much is happening so much is given that's just straight away like there's so many better ways in which that could have been handled like we don't get to know henry whatsoever it's thrust upon us that he's getting kate to live with him pretty much against her will um, as a promise because he brought someone back to life blah 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 we don't get to know who he is we don't understand who he is or what's going on and it's just oh it's kind of just really frustrating like it could have been done so much better but it wasn't because it was rushed and then just as a whole as the story continues everything is just really easy to guess and figure out what's going on like henry being hades james being a god and even figuring out which god he's meant to be but that's just because i i know mythology uh they talk about how james is the only other god outside of henry who knows the underworld well and i was like okay hermes hermes went to the underworld a lot because obviously god of messages and had to take messages to the underworld to hades and persephone so of course he's going to know the underworld well and then Kate's mum being a goddess because of that opening prologue. And and then also in these stories where like Kate is able to interact with her mum in her dreams. And the fact that her mum is really pushing her towards Henry. I'm kind of like, that's even more suspect that she wants her to do well in this test. Like what other motivation or, or even the fact that she's not even surprised or confused about this idea of him being a god. I'm like, clearly you're a goddess if you've got no follow-up questions as to what's going on i do admit that the plot does thicken a little bit more as we get to the middle part of of the book um like with obviously ava's return but then also there's like a bunch of betrayals there's death murder plots um although the murder element does become really easy to figure out after a while because it was all 100 percent fine and then there was a bit of telling instead of showing in the form of Calypso's reactions to Henry where at one point she like stares at Henry just trying to catch his attention um that's like nice and subtle but then it becomes like the the way it's written just makes it really obvious because it hadn't happened at any other point throughout the book but in the lead up to Kate being murdered it started to come up quite frequently and then she mutters something that we know 
in the dialogue because it's written. We know what she says and it's basically her kind of saying something snide about Kate. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, And then when she's taking Kate out for a walk and stuff like that and she's the one who brings like these... uh, What what are they called? Uh, It's a drug that basically makes people, for lack of a better term horny and it leads to her and henry having sex uh it begins with an a that's all like aphrodisiac an aphrodisiac she's given and the fact that calypso was the one who brought that to them like at that point it just becomes so clear that calypso is obviously the one behind the murders and it's just it's really frustrating because it could have been done so much better and then even worse with kind of what happens at the end um the and this is actually this was a good good plot twist this the final bit like it's like in the last two chapters where it turns out that every single person kate has met is a god this entire town that she's been in doesn't exist it was made to be part of the test the moment she entered into this town slash village went to this high school met like this guy dylan met ava all these things every single person was part of the test and every single person was a god i thought that was really really cool but then when it comes to the calypso liking henry i'm not going to talk about that now because i'm going to talk about that when i get to the mythology aspect that i've decided to add in now it just doesn't make sense in terms of understanding greek mythology but then the finale really doesn't make sense so she's passed the test she the moment she passes the test, she's immortal. But the end of the test was at her the end of her time with Henry. So she's had her six months. She now has her six months for like spring slash summer freedom time. But she's still mortal. And that's what I don't get. So she's left for her time away. But she's passed the test, which is to make her immortal. But she's left mortal. I just... It just really doesn't make any sense to me. Like, the whole point of the test was at the moment she passed it, she was going to be made immortal. Like, she's married to Henry now. Surely she should be made immortal. But she's not. And it's just, it's really, really weird. I just, I kind of just don't really understand it. So, as a whole, like what I said earlier, the idea behind this is just so, so good. Just... The execution is just not that great. It's just... I don't even know how to kind of put it into words, really. But I think it's because it's quite... It's This book is too short for me. There's, there's no world building. There's no fantasy exploring. Like, there's not even any... There's a few throwaway lines, but... It's kind of like they're going... Oh, yes, and... Henry can heal people because he's Hades. And then moving on to something else straight away. Like, it's you get one line of small exploration. And then we move on to the next point and that's it. That's done. Don't come back to it again. Don't explore it again. Nothing else. That's just the end of it. And I think this is really unfortunate because it's... Greek mythology is just ripe with things that you can explore. Like, there is one point, and actually I will commend um, Carter for, for this element, in that there's a discussion about the story of Persephone in this. Now, as you guys know, I'm one of those people that I prefer the sort of not 
not more, kind of more modern, I guess, um, idea that Persephone stumbles across the underworld and kind of doesn't really mind it there. So she decides to stay and then her and Hades fall in love. Um, and this is kind of what it goes along with. They change it a little bit in that. So it's not that he kidnapped Persephone. It's that Demeter and Zeus basically kind of set up an arranged marriage with them, which kind of makes sense because there are a few cases of like that happening in in mythology. I can't think of any right now, but I know that that was a thing. So it does make sense. And like Persephone did care for him, but after a while she did start to resent him, which led to her then leaving him for a mortal and becoming mortal herself. So that I thought was really, really interesting. But that is the only bit of like backstory of lore that we kind of get other than I guess the fact that gods can choose to fade. Like Henry, if he doesn't get a new goddess to join him with the underworld, he will fade. He will disappear from existence and someone else will take over the role of god of the underworld. And that's really, really cool, but we don't really get enough exploration of that either. It's kind of like, how does it mean, like, does he, does he die? Does he go to the underworld himself? Does he just fade from existence? What actually happens? It's not explored well enough to answer the questions that I have for it, which I think is really frustrating for me because there's just so much potential and just so many questions that I think, unless they get answered in the following sequels, probably won't be answered which I think is just really frustrating and just generally unfortunate. I think what kind of saves this book a little bit more is is the characters not the main characters though. Kate and Henry not the biggest fans of I think they're really boring characters. I think that's I mean it's kind of something that I've always noticed with like romance books and like romantic fantasy books. I've never been a fan of the main characters I like the side characters I think there's only a few that I've really liked the main characters for and that is uh, the main characters in Vampire Academy um in in the case of the two female leads so not in terms of the romance side but the, the friendship side so we've got Rose and Lisa I like I absolutely love those two main characters but the but other than those and I think a few other kind of just general romance based things I don't usually like the main characters because they're the sort of stereotypical like shy girl or popular girl or shy boy and popular guy matched with the opposite or or something like that it's just it's it's just really boring and unfortunately that's kind of the case here Kate is sort of the well I think the only thing that her and Henry have in common is that they're the sort of loner types so Kay is completely defined by her mother's cancer. She's not had a life since her mother's diagnosis. Um, and she, she doesn't seem to have any other features or personality other than being the girl whose mum has cancer. And as someone, I, I will say this, that I, I don't know if that is the case for people with family members who do have cancer. And I apologise if that is the case that it's just something that defines you and kind of takes over your personality in a sense but I just think it's just really unfortunate just because that you don't really know anything else about Kate other than her mum has cancer 
and I, it's kind of just really frustrating like we know she's kind and intelligent but that is literally it I know nothing else about her I don't know what she likes to do I don't know what like what music she likes for example like we don't learn anything about her and considering she is our main character the fact that all I know is she doesn't go to school very much because she looks after her mum her mum has cancer she's never had a boyfriend and I think she likes to read that's all I know and like that last one I'm not even too sure about that's all I know about Kate and she's our main character if that doesn't say enough about kind of the disappointment that she's it's kind of like okay and to I apologize for like (laughs) bashing this series but she's like the Bella Swan in terms of this like she really doesn't have much of a personality and I'm gonna be I'm gonna possibly hurt a lot of people here I think Bella has more of a personality than than Kate she's a little bit more defined she actually has she's sarcastic she's kind of she just has something else about it like I she's not an interesting main character but there's there's something about her as a character she she has a character um maybe I should do a review of the twilight book at some point in the future because I haven't read them in years so maybe I have to now but anyway moving on from Kate we have Henry and oh my god Henry is just an angsty sad boy that is his character that is all there is about him he doesn't have a personality we we know that he's caring and kind of emotional because he goes on like these big tirades every so often but he really doesn't do anything else he's just kind of there like he has moments of like sweetness with with Kate but still like he's just this is why I feel like this book needed to be longer and not have him introduced into the story in like the third chapter or maybe even was it even the second yeah I think it was the third chapter that he's introduced and sets up this whole Persephone thing that's the only time you meet him and then we have him turning up I think it's two maybe three chapters later say yep autumn equinox now you gotta come with me you gotta stay with me for six months and that's all that's the two times we meet him we don't learn anything about him he's not established as a character he's not established as a person what have been so much more interesting is if we'd gotten to know him a little bit more before the whole persephone thing came in it's just it would have made so much more sense and probably would have helped the whole kate being a little bit more susceptible to being like okay yes no I'll come stay with you because at least then she knows him a little bit more and it's not just a random guy that she doesn't really know she met briefly say like maybe even like actually have him save Ava and then she sees him a bit more and like they interact a little bit and then he turns up on the autumn equinox being like you know we, we did make this deal because then she's not she wouldn't be as weirded out they they could still have the Ava actually dying element but I don't know just we needed more of an establishment for Henry because at this point he's basically nothing like I don't again same with Kate 
I don't know anything about him except for he's still desperately in love with Persephone. Which is really kind of hurtful to, to Kate because she has very quickly fallen in love with him and she doesn't know if he could ever love her back because he's still in love with Persephone. I just, I don't know, it's just it's just really frustrating that those are our two main characters and yet we have next to no idea who they are, what they do, what they like. Like, how am I supposed to kind of invest myself in their story and their romance if I don't know anything about them? The two characters that I do really like in this book, however, are Ava and James. James I do have a few little issues with because he's a bit of a bit of an arse every so often. But Ava, I think, is a really interesting character because she actually has a personality and a character. Like she's probably one of the most interesting characters in the book. It's frustrating that we don't get much about her and we don't get to see much of her throughout the book. She kind of pops up here and there, and it's really, un- it's really unfortunate. I like that she she does become like Kate's friend and kind of helps her navigate what's going on. She's the th- she's the one kind of thing that that Kate has to hold on to when she's in this strange world, surrounded by all these people who kind of are, are treating her as a queen. And then Ava comes in, just kind of like, "What's up, girl? How are you doing?" You want to hang out, you want to go for a walk and stuff like that. So she's like this calming presence for Kate. The only issue that I have with her is that, and it's not with her, it's just how she's betrayed. And she is just portrayed as a slut. And it's portrayed as a bad thing. Which I I am not a fan of. Like, give us like a positive sex idea. Like, why can't she go and have sex with people just because she wants to. Like, I, t- I don't see the issue with it. Um, of course, when like the test element to do with her prom- promiscuity for, for Kate's side of the test comes out, it kind of makes sense why it's being portrayed in a negative way. But still, I just, I find it really frustrating in that sense. But as a whole, Ava is just really interesting. She <laughs> she likes to rock the boat. She's kind of, I don't know. I just find her really interesting. She's kind of the sort of person that I would want to be. She, You know who she reminds me of? My friend Chloe. Absolute babe. Love her. She's funny. She's got good stories to tell. She has things to say that, make, that kind of make you laugh. Um, she's just generally like a really sweet person. I don't know where I was going with that, but she's just a really sweet person. She has, like, funny stories. She, she puts you at ease. Um, she, she she has good jokes to tell about, like, guys that she's been with or just, just generally stories about people. And I don't know. She's the sort of person that you would want to be friends with. So she reminds me of my friend Chloe in that sense that she's someone who makes a good friend. James, other than, like, the slight dickishness that comes in um, with his character is kind of like my friend Roshni and yes I'm shouting out my two my two besties on this Chloe and Roshni if you guys are listening which you should be because I'm your friend and you should be listening to my podcast um yeah there are two characters in this book that remind me of you guys in the fact that they are just really nice friends now so James is just the other character I really like even though it does turn out that he was lying to Kate about like who he is and what his intentions are in that he 
will be the person to take over um, the underworld if Henry fades away. Um, he's he's intense and comes across as sort of a trademark nice guy, but I think that's just what he has to come across in terms of like his test. Um, but he's still really cool. Like he, we actually know what he's like. Like he's really into music. Um, he's got really bad eating habits that kind of pass on to Kate. Um, he's just a really chill guy. Like he's he's really helpful with her. He wants to make sure that she, this whole situation that she's in with Henry is completely her decision. Um, it comes across that he's just kind of like, yeah, no, she doesn't really want to be here because he wants to get the underworld throne but it is actually just a sense of he wants to make sure that she isn't being forced into this situation that everything is through her consent and I really like that like that he is kind of very clearly doing it to protect her and make sure that she's okay whether it is actually you know a kind of actually doing it out of the kindness of his heart and considering that he spent like she and her drive off when she leaves Eden um it shows that they are still friends and that he does actually care about her as a person um i assume that it's probably not out of bad intentions he's also just generally like really funny he's nice um well i say nice he's not nice to henry but i think that's just because he doesn't like henry because of the whole persephone situation um and you know kind of fair enough like i don't i don't know why he's really bitter about that original persephone situation maybe it's explained in later books who knows but just as a whole i think the reason that i kind of kept powering through this book was because of ava and james like they were really interesting characters do wish james was involved a little bit more because we have maybe a total of like six chapters that he's in maybe seven um either we get quite a lot of her in um until she's like banished by kate um for (laughs) reasons that really were not her fault and had that slut shaming aspect of well you were sleeping with both of these guys and it led to one of them killing the other so (laughs) it's just so stupid um like i get of course it was part of the test but at the same time shaming her for sleeping with two different guys and then saying the death of one of them is your fault blah 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 stupid but um <laughs> as a whole yeah those guys those two characters are the reason why i kept powering through as well as you know wanting to know who the murderer was until it was very clearly revealed um i'm getting really off topic i'm kind of talking really fast but i kind of want to get all of my thoughts out as like as best i can but i know i'm going a little bit too too fast <laughs> Like as a whole um i am going to get onto the mythology side of things now just because alongside kind of the the fast pacedness of the story the mythology element i think is the thing that f- has frustrated me the most about this book and that is just be- it's just not that great and it's i don't want to be one of those people but I feel there was not enough research done into Greek mythology, I feel, for this book. Mainly because there are more Christian religion references than there are Greek references. <laughs> That's just it, really. Like, firstly, in ancient Greece, 
Christianity didn't exist, so why is it being brought up and used? Main th- this was the thing, I remember reading this part, and when it came to the discussion of the seven deadly sins, that was the test. Her test was based on the seven deadly sins. And I'm like, what? Like, that is the main thing, that, that is rooted fully in Christian religion and, and like Catholicism and all that sort of stuff I just I don't get why that was the test why is a test to become a Greek god based on a Christian tradition because like so all the tests are based on, on on the seven deadly sins which are lust gluttony greed sloth wrath envy and pride I think there are a few others because obviously there's like 12 patron gods but I just it really doesn't make any sense and there's no explanation for it either which I think is the most most frustrating thing about it it's kind of just kind of given when when it like we yeah it, it just it just doesn't make any sense and I think well, first we don't actually know about what what the tests are throughout the whole book until the end. But the thing is that it just doesn't make sense. Like, if you're being tested, surely you should know when the tests are happening. But apparently, that that's not a thing. It's based on actions, and I kind of like I half get that. But considering that they're based on the seven deadly sins, which oh, it's really frustrating that that is what it's based on. We then just don't get an explanation as to why her tests were based on the seven deadly sins. Because do do you not know what the Greek gods were like? Zeus is a whore, <laughs> so he's already failed the lust test. Hades is known for being envious. Basically, all the gods are known for being envious. It's why they killed a bunch of mortals at random points. Same with wrath. They have every single one of the gods has had a moment of the Christian seven deadly sins. So it just makes no sense whatsoever why she has to pass the seven deadly sins to prove herself worthy of being a goddess. Because in ancient history, <laughs> no one would have been able to pass because the gods themselves can't even pass it. I just, I just don't understand. And there's no explanation. So it's even more confusing and that's not even the only Christian thing. I don't know why I'm sounding really upset, but it's just, it's something that frustrated the heck out of me when I was reading this. Like, another thing. Again, considering it's Greek mythology, there's a bunch of Christian references. Like, calling the place hell instead of the underworld. It's like the Percy Jackson movie all over again. It's it's the underworld. It's not hell. It's the underworld. <laughs> And then also, the fact that Henry's property, so the mansion is called Eden, like the Garden of Eden, which is also Christian. Oh my god. However, considering how frustrated I got at the Seven Deadly Scenes, nothing boiled my... I don't know the phrase. Boiled my britches? No, that's not it. Uh, okay, I'll just... Nothing got on my nerves more than the story of Calypso. So Calypso is the person who has been 
murdering all the girls that were possibilities for being Henry's new wife. And apparently it was all out of jealousy because she loved Henry. She wanted to be Henry's wife. She wanted everything to do with him. She wanted to prove that she was the person. She told Henry this before and all these sort of things, but he just didn't react to it, which, you know, dickish move on Henry's part. I know I'm swearing a lot, but I'm going to make this um, an explicit (laughs) bonus episode just because I can't help myself. This book has really frustrated me so much. Um, But so it says... It says at the end of the book which of the people represent the gods. So the guide of the gods that it says here is um, uh, Zeus is Walter. I don't even remember meeting Walter when this was revealed. So that wasn't helpful. Uh, Poseidon is Philip. Again, don't really remember meeting him. Demeter is Diana. Hades is Henry. Hestia is Sophia, who was the woman who was looking after Kate's mum when they were at the house. Uh, Ares is Dylan, who is Ava's boyfriend. Ava is Aphrodite. Not a big shock there. James is Hermie. Athena is Irene, who was like her like Greek mythology teacher. Uh, Apollo is Theo. Uh, Artemis is Ella. That I kind of got. Hephaestus was Nicholas. I don't even remember meeting Nicholas. Dionysus was Xander. <sighs> now, considering everything that I do know about Greek mythology... So many of these things didn't make sense. Now, Xandra and Theo are the ones who are having sex with Ava. As well as Dylan, who was Ares. That makes sense, Dylan and Ava, because that was actually mythology. Apollo and Dionysus were the ones fighting over Ava and, like, have, like, a fake death thing. Dionysus and Apollo. Now, as far as I remember... Those two have never had a sexual relationship with Aphrodite. I could be wrong. And if I am, anyone who knows if they did, please do, like, send us an email or or DM us on Instagram and just let us know. But as far as I'm aware, they don't. So that was really weird. Like, if... I just... I don't know. It's just really frustrating. But the thing that got me the most, and you may recognise the person that I left out of this, Calliope is Hera. I've also just realised Hestia's not in here. Hestia is complete. Oh no, she is. I'm just Mister Hestia. Is so yeah. Why did I forget that? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um. <laughs> so Calliope is Hera, goddess of marriage. Marriage. I just realised I was calling her Calypso. It's Calliope. Why have I been calling her Calypso? I don't know where I got that from. I don't know. Okay, so Calliope is Hero, goddess of marriage. And yet she's fallen in love with Henry slash Hades. Now I repeat, she is the goddess of marriage. She is married to Zeus in mythology and is never allowed to fall in love for anyone else because that's cheating. And yes, I know that Zeus does a lot of cheating because Zeus is that dude But she's also never allowed to divorce because, again, goddess of marriage. She can't go against what she represents. Maybe there's a reason why this is different and why she has fallen in love with someone else and why it seems that her and Zeus aren't together. 
But there is no world building or explanation for this, so I have no idea why this has happened and why this is the case. And it's the most frustrating thing I have ever been involved with. And I know I should really just mainly be looking at this from a story perspective. But everything about this book is just, it's too short. There's no explanation. There's a lot of telling and not showing. There's no subtlety. There's there's just... I'm just going to say it again. The idea was amazing. It was such a brilliant idea. But the execution just doesn't hit the mark. There's just so many unanswered questions. And if these questions are the things that are answered in the sequel, that's even worse. Because... That just makes this book just pointless. Because say there wasn't a sequel. Say that this uh, this book was the last one there wasn't going to be a sequel. Or it couldn't get a sequel. All these questions that I have would never be answered. There would be no anything for it. And it, it just leaves a sort of bitter taste in my mouth. Because there's just nothing to work from with this story. This so many world building world building opportunities and ways to develop the romance so much better because the romance like she goes within a chapter to not really having an opinion of henry to suddenly being in love with him build it up better this is why i think henry needed to be involved in the story more from the start like we meet him in chapter two or chapter three and then we don't meet him again until chapter six or seven or whenever have him be involved in the rest of the chapters leading up to that autumn equinox. Have him be a little bit more involved so Kate is getting to know him. Because even when she is then in the manor, she hardly sees him. He hardly interacts with her. So it's this sudden build-up to love and falling in love with him is just not logical. Unless it's Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Which, you know... Not a great way to begin a relationship when it's not really a relationship because you've got Stockholm Syndrome. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's just really unfortunate that there is just so much potential and it just doesn't seem to really reach any of it. Maybe it does in the sequel, but at this point I don't know if I will read the sequel. I know there's, I've been told by, um, a friend of mine who did actually recommend the series. Hold on, I'm actually going to give them a shout out. Yeah, so it was Fangirl Daughter of Poseidon on Instagram who recommended um, checking out this series. And like, I, I don't regret reading it because, you know, it's it's an interesting thing to read. It's good to kind of broaden my reading horizons a little bit. Um, and she did know that there are there are different books. So I think it was um, a book called The goddess's legacy or something like that i can't remember now um which is told from henry's perspective so we kind of get a bit more about him and like his story which you know maybe hopefully gives me more interest in him as a character but because of this first story it just doesn't give me the motivation to want to read anything else I've heard that with a few books. So, like, I, I read The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss a little while ago. And, like, it was interesting, but it took me so long to read. Because not only did it take a while for me to get into the story, but I just wasn't engaged with any of the characters. There was only one character I was engaged with, which was Bast, uh, the character in the modern 
day outside of the backstory. But the main character and the side characters from his past stories, I just have absolutely no interest in them. So it was really hard for me to get through the story. But I kept reading because I was always interested when it came to the modern day parts to do with Bast. And that's the same with this book. Like I kept reading because I really liked James and Ava, as well as Ella and Calliope a little bit before, you know, the fact that she was the murderer got spoiled um, through the the telling and not showing. Um, Well, the obvious showing as well when that did happen. Yeah, this book just had a lot of potential. I just think it's just unfortunate that it kind of missed the mark for me. Now, I guess I kind of have already given a little bit of a final thought of of this whole thing, but um, I guess I'll I'll summarise a little bit more. Um, And so just generally, my final thought is that I, I like the idea of this whole thing being a series and kind of learning more about it and kind of just seeing what does come next and maybe I will read the next book or or maybe I won't we'll see but this first book and story just feels so quick and rushed and it just feels like it's just a setup for the next book in the series and just for the series it doesn't feel like a book that could be a standalone it feels like one that is meant to go on to something else and that's really unfortunate like in terms of Percy Jackson for example the lightning thief while we do have this hint as to what could happen in future technically that book on its own the lightning thief could be a standalone book because of the way it ends and the way the story is just it what's the phrase I can't think of the phrase um oh my god um it's a self-contained story. That's the word I want to use. It's a self-contained story. It doesn't need to tie into something else if it didn't want to. If that was the one book, I'd want to know what happened next. But I'd also be really happy with how it ended. Because you've got this mystery. You've got this thinking of, oh, what could happen next? Like, we know that this guy is bad. And we know that this is all happening. But... I'd I'd be just as happy with it just being a standalone at the same time because it works as a standalone too. This book doesn't. It just it doesn't really develop anything, and all it is is just a lead up to what happens in future. It just it has so much potential for world building and fantasy and character. It's just unfortunate that it was just underused. Uh, the character of Kate is is kind of interesting. But she doesn't have anything about her that really makes her stand out, which is kind of frustrating and almost a bit of a cliche these days with a lot of sort of romantic fantasy and just romance books with female leads. Same with books with male leads as well, just none of them have anything defining about them. There's either a cliche like, I'm I'm not like other girls sort of cliche, which is kind of what Kate is a little bit as well. So it's frustrating that she's she's just kind of one of those, but even more two-dimensional. Like, I'd love her to have a bit more of a character, something that actually defines her. So, like, even if it was, like, a weird little thing, like, um, we know, obviously, that she takes care of her mother all the time. She's mainly always been focused on her mother and her mum's cancer treatment. But maybe it's something that she learned to do. Whilst, like, maybe she learned to knit, and it's something that's been, like, a guilty kind of calming pleasure, her 
knitting and do, like she's been working on quilts for the, this entire time stuff to do with her mum so when her mum finally did pass all these little is that knitting or is that quilting it may be quilting but like all these patches to represent all these things that she's done with her mum and all these things about her mum so she's got like a sort of comfort blanket that she's been making small things like that to feed into her character to make her interesting make me sympathize with her would have been really really interesting and the final part is the the greek mythology side needs a whole lot more work and research because there are just things in this that just do not make any sense in the context of greek mythology now i know in things like percy jackson and all the other books by um, Uncle Rick have things where they've changed stuff to do with mythology. But what this has done is turned it more into a Christian-based Greek mythology, which just doesn't make any sense. And it just, yeah. I think if that was improved in later books, if it focused more on actual Greek mythology, I probably would continue with the series. But we'll just have to see. Uh, so yeah that is my my review and deep dive into the goddess test by amy carter i know i have been really really harsh on this book and i apologize for anyone who is a big fan of this book really did enjoy the story um this is all of course completely 100 percent my opinion um and if you disagree with it of course 100 percent you're right too because you don't have to agree with what i'm saying I am intrigued though, if you guys do enjoy this book, what is it about it that you enjoyed or what else about the series do you think may intrigue me to carry on? Um, be sure to send us an email or an Instagram or Twitter DM uh, to let me know. Now as I've always been doing with my regularly scheduled program uh, is doing a question of the episode. So I'm going to do one for this uh, bonus episode. Uh, mainly looking at the bonus episode series as a whole because I will be doing quite a lot of bonus episodes either on uh, book other books like this one to do with the goddess test but also things like looking at the Percy Jackson movies for example. Um, so for this one because obviously this is a book related bonus episode the question of the episode is which book would you like me to explore in future and if you have read the goddess test series who is your favourite character and why? Now, as always, thank you all for joining me today for this bonus episode. Now, don't worry, I will be returning to our regularly scheduled Percy Jackson content next Wednesday. So be sure to come back then. To plug, as always, where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, where you should drop us a follow, Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a rating and a review, Apple, oh, and he said Apple Podcast again. Audio Boom, Stitcher, and Deezer. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, and on Facebook now as well. And on Tumblr at thebestdamncamp.tumblr.com. If you want to email me with your own thoughts, you can email thebestdamncamp at hotmail.com and I will read whatever you have to say out at the end of the show. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, A Healthy Dose of Fran, for more Percy Jackson content and just general other writing study element 
content. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.